Ephesians. We're going to take a look at the book of Ephesians this morning. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, hopefully everybody's having a good day so far. I mean, we're in church, amen? I mean, what a wonderful place to be. And uh, I was uh, going over kind of lesson. If you also, too, would pray, or if you would pray for me also, tomorrow I get to speak at a, a Cross Points Chapel. Um, a little bit nervous about that. Don't know any of the people there, but they asked if I would come and speak. And so I'm going to go and speak to the elementary school students and then the, the high school, stu- school students. High schoolers are easy to preach to. Kids, are, kids can be scary. You know, they like object lessons. And they like, you know, things and entertainment and, and uh, that, that, I, I don't know, sometimes they just scare me. But, <laughs> uh, but here we are in Ephesians chapter 3 and I want to look at a couple of different things. The main, the main part, the, I guess if I had a title this morning, the title is going to be Power in Christ, Power in Christ. And uh, so when we start here in verse number, or chapter number 3, verse number 13, it says here, Wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulations. Now that's really important to notice what is said right there. That you faint not at my tribulations, which is your glory. Now, it's funny when you, when you think about just that small portion of scripture right there, we often, and, and I don't know if you're like me, but I, sometimes uh, trials and tribulations, when they come my way, uh, my first thought is like, okay, what did I do wrong? What, why, is God upset with me? Is God mad at me? What, what did I do wrong to cause this? That would be, that's generally how my, my mind would work. Um, cancer taught me to look at it a little bit differently. Um, that trials and tribulations aren't necessarily a punishment or anything like that. Um, but as we go on here, so verse number 14. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, we should, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened, notice what he says here, strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by the faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love." Uh, may be able to comprehend with all, uh, with all saints what is the breadth, length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Notice, notice this right here. Right? First of all, this is just a beautiful, wonderful portion of Scripture. It's just the, the, the way you read, when, you, when you're reading it, how it all lays out, how it sounds. It's just very poetic and amazing. And, but then we come to this point right here in verse number 20. Now unto, unto him that is able to do exceeding, right? Now, when, when I'm praying, I'm praying to God, God, I want you to help me with this. You know, um, I got my next uh, test coming up. Please pray for October 24th. What is October 24th? That is my next checkup. That is my next checkup. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've got no stress about it right now. I'm not panicking. I'm not having a heart attack or anything like that. But well, as I get closer to the 24th, that's when things are going to start to get a little bit more, you know, like, oh, no, what's, going to, what's the doctor going to say? And the problem is, in my mind, I know that when I'm praying, I'm asking God for just clear results. I, I want the blood work to be fine. I want my scan to be fine. You know, but when, when we're praying, right, we, we pray specifically like that, right? But when you look at this verse, what does he say? He, can, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. And then look what he says here. Or think. Now, in my mind... I can think of a lot of wonderful things. Amen? I, I can think of, of things that, that my mind, I can, I, I can dream, I, I, can, I can have a, a concept of a fantasy about how I want things to go. I, I can think big, right? But when it comes to the, the process of praying and thinking, sometimes like when, when things are fine, our hope is a lot higher, isn't it? 
You know, when everything is good, our hope is, is, is a lot higher. But then when the stress comes, our hope gets a lot smaller. And so, but we have to remember that God is able to do uh, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now going on, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so I want you to think about it like this. We are not to faint at tribulations, but to be strengthened by His Spirit, which draws us closer to His love and gives us access to His power. And if I could challenge you this morning on a couple of things, one's going to be don't faint in tribulations. Don't faint in tribulations. Um, trials, tribulations, issues, problems, they come in all shapes, forms, or fashions, don't they? They come from, you know, people, and you, if you are sitting here today and you've met me for any length of time, you know that I despise roundabouts in Indiana. They are the worst thing. If, and it's a really simple issue. If they would not have you merge on the other side of the roundabout, but merge people prior, and then if it's a right lane, they, they turn right, they don't have to try to jam past you. I think that would alleviate a lot of accidents. On 100 South, I've seen so many accidents. I've seen this Ford, purple Ford Escape hit two school buses and push them up over the curb just because he was in a hurry, right? I saw a car flipped over on its side. Uh, I seen a car with all tires in the air. I seen one accident, and this is just in the past month, right? I seen one car. I was driving. I, the, the traffic was stopped at Jan, Dan Jones going to Ronald Reagan along 100 South, and so I had to go through the detour. The, the police had it all blocked off. A mile away from whatever accident occurred, I could see the flames, uh, above the stop signs and things like that. I don't know what happened there. I just know that somebody was probably driving. You know, th- those people, you know, like uh, whatever was going on in their life at that p- time, I feel bad for them, right? I-, I do, you know, but here's the thing. Trials, issues, they come in all shape. Maybe it's not a car accident. Maybe it's not cancer. Maybe it's just the finances get a little bit tight. Maybe it's a, a, a family member that's gone astray. Maybe it's a child that's causing you heartache. Maybe it's a coworker that's just always on you. I remember I was working, with a, I was working in construction. Uh, I was doing bricklaying, right? Whoa, what a fun job. Bricklaying, construction, all that wonderful stuff. And I had this job, and we were working on the Coast Guard station. And I was laying brick for the Coast Guard station, getting paid really, really well. It was, it was great. It was great in that aspect, but working around some of those guys there was a lot of fun. I had one guy get all mad at me. Oh, he was mad. He was about this tall, too, right? And uh, I'm not that tall, and I, I feel really short on staff here. I really do. I really do. Ryan, Pastor Ryan, makes me feel normal because we're about the same height. I, I appreciate that about him, but everybody else is like a foot taller than us. It's really annoying, right? But, you know, so this guy, now, I don't think I'm tall, right? So this guy, he's about this tall, and uh, you ever seen those, like, chihuahuas that... <laughs> They just get all upset all the time, you know, like, <laughs> and uh, he was just always going on. He was belligerent. He was foul. Uh, he was very vulgar. And, he, was, and he, for, he found out I was a pastor, and he hates Christians. And I'm a pastor, and so he was always on me, always yelling at me, always screaming. I mean, I'd go to, I'd, I remember I went to, I went to use the, the um, Porta john And uh, all of a sudden, I, I, you know, I'm in there, and I'm getting ready to exit. And all of a sudden, here, if that's that Jeremy, I'm going to fight him as soon as he comes out, because I wanted to get in there before him. And so I just stood in there for a couple extra minutes. <laughs> just, you know, because <laughs> partly I had to calm down. I'm, you know, this guy is always on me and I'm trying to, as, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So I finally, I, I walk out and there he is and he, and he gets right up in my chest and I'm just like, <sighs> and I go around him, he tries to sidestep me and, and I just, I don't say anything. I finally get around him, I go to do my job and it got to the point where now my attitude's being impacted at the home. 
right? I got to deal with this all day long. Now my attitude at home is being impacted. So I come home and I says, "Hun, uh, I'm just not doing real well. I, I need a few minutes to, to calm down. And so it was getting pretty bad. I'm praying. I'm like, God, I need you to do a miracle. Could you just like have this guy fired or, or something happen in his life? I just, I need him to be taken care of. If, if he shows up missing in the newspaper or in a milk carton, I'm not going to feel bad. I'm not going to feel bad, right? I mean, that's wrong, but I'm not going to feel bad, right? And so things got to a boiling point where um, he, was, he, was, he was giving me a real bad time. And I got my trowel. Yeah, and everybody know what a trowel is? A mason trowel for spreading the mud? Yes, all right. So I, I got my trowel in my hand. He steps up on the edge, and he, and he gets in a fighting position. He starts walking at me. So the first thing I did was flip my trowel into a stabbing position. I'm like, oh, here we go, right? And then all of a sudden I hear, hey! I'm like, oh, now I'm in real trouble. Well, there's this guy on the crew. His, his, I, didn't, I don't even know his name. To the, to, I do not know his name. But they called him Goldilocks, right? And he was real big. Like, he was, he was, he was taller than Pastor Monty. He was about this wide. And uh, every single day at lunch, all the guys would try to wrestle him and take him down. And they never could win. You'd see six guys. It was like a bear taking guys and throwing them around. And they're having fun with it. And all of a sudden, he's yelling, hey! He's a crane operator. Hey! Hey! And uh, he's like, where's that Jeremy? And I'm like, I can take the chihuahua, I can't take the pit bull. <laughs> so I walk to the edge, I'm on the scaffolding, I walk to the edge, and I'm just like, yes? Are you the pastor? Yes? Guys have been giving you a hard time. I just stood there like, are you going to start too? And all of a sudden, he makes a declaration to everybody. He goes, I am a Christian. Nobody messes with this pastor unless they want to deal with me. You got it? And he's like yelling. Everybody, and, and, and everybody's looking and listening. And he went on for like a couple minutes about how nobody's going to touch this preacher. I'm a Christian. But you, know, you want to know what happened after that? Nobody touched me. Nobody said anything. <laughs> I could give a good shoulder check and they were just like, sorry. <laughs> he was a big guy. Now, when I was praying to God to help me with my situation, that's not what I expected to happen. I honestly expected the guy to get fired. He was a terrible employee. You know, and I'm using this, you know, I'm kind of being funny here, but we, we shouldn't faint when tribulations come. You know, oftentimes when a tribulation comes into our life, there's a purpose for it. See, we are not to faint during times of struggle. Notice what, it, what the verse says here. In verse number 13, he says, My tribulations... Stress can be a good thing in our lives. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, there's, there's, stress of, there's stress of bad doctor appointments. There's stress of health and different things like that. Stress of finances. Not necessarily talking about those. But stress helps us see who we really are. When I first started going to church, and most of you know my testimony, I wasn't raised in church. Uh, I went to the military, went to college. Um, never touched a drop of alcohol my whole life. Once I got out of the military and I started going to college, used my, my GI Bill, um, I'm in school and I met some guys that were very impressionable. I looked up to them. And next thing you know, I found myself engaging in the activities that they were engaged in and I, I went downhill very, very fast. I uh, didn't grow up in a Christian home. My, my dad, whom I love, my dad is my hero. Um, I, I, I love my dad, but he's not a Christian man. My mom, you know, I love her. And we, weren't, we weren't Christians at that point in our lives. Um, you know, so I, I wasn't raised in that, that type. I wasn't raised in a church environment. 
And uh, so when I first started, I, I need to get clean, I need, I, I need help, I started going to church. And the, and the church I went to, I only picked because of my dad's testimony of the pastor. My dad said of the pastor, of Pastor Lon Russell, that is a real Christian. He goes, son, I'm not a churchgoer, but if I ever go to church, it's going to be Pastor Lon Russell's church. And so me needing help with my addictions and my problems, I'm looking to God. And so I started going to that church, small little church in the middle of the woods. Uh, once I started going to that church, met this preacher, this preacher that I, I already had instant respect for because of my dad's testimony of him, right? And when I got there... He started helping me. He was very patient. He was very kind with me. But he would ask me to read things, right? And one of the things he asked me to read was this little tiny book called Your Reactions Are Showing. Your Reactions Are Showing. Uh, it's not in print anymore. You can buy it in a PDF form on, like, online and stuff like that. But I read that book. And the premise of the book is this. How you react in stress determines the depth of your spirituality. So how I, and he goes on to, to illustrate some different things, but pretty much if somebody, if somebody gets in my face and I instantly respond with anger, I have a shallow spiritual life. Because if I have a deep spiritual life, I'm going to have control of my emotions. I'm going to have a control of my, my anger. Anger is an emotion. I would say to the guys in the county jail, uh, they, would, they would always like want to, get, they would want to brag about their anger. I'm just a rageaholic. A guy said, I'm just a rageaholic. And I said, so you're an emotional baby. And the rest of the guys loved it. They, they, never, heard, they never heard it explained like that. I says, when he goes, what do you mean by that? I'm mad. And I said, well, anger is an emotion. And if you're, being, if you're giving to your anger, then you're just being emotional. Right? Amen? <laughs> he didn't like that one bit. And, but that book really, really convicted me. The depth of my spirituality is how I react, how I respond to a situation. Somebody in traffic cuts me off and I blow up at them, I have a shallow Christianity. Somebody says something I don't like, I react in a, you know, in a negative way, I have a shallow uh, Christianity. If I'm reading Facebook and somebody writes one of those posts that I just don't like, oh, I love social media, don't you guys? I mean, you can see the kindest, most wonderful people you've had interactions with your whole life. Then they get on social media and then they forget there's consequences of things that they write or say. I, I don't like getting into politics on social media. It's just not my thing. Uh, I did for a while, way, way back in the day, especially the 2016 election. That was great and a lot of fun, but I lost a lot of friends. And what was the point? Those are people that I no longer have an opportunity to witness to anymore. I'm still going to vote the way I'm going to vote. But anyway, going on. And so that book really, really convicted me. And, and I, I started to understand something at that point. Stress can help us. Stress, and let me illustrate a couple different things like this, right? So being able to identify, right? So what stress does is it, it helps us identify weak areas. Scripture tells us that remove the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. So what is dross? Right? So dross is that, that sediment, when you take ore and you melt it down, dross would be that sediment that rises to the surface, that rises to the surface, right? So when you, when you, when you mine gold, when you mine silver, you don't have, I, on my hand I have a, a gold ring, right? It's not pure gold, but if it was pure gold, uh, this isn't what would come out of the ground when they're mining, right? It would, be, it, would be, it would be ore, and then they take that ore and they melt it down, and then all the impurities inside that ore starts to rise to the surface, right? Think about that. When stress comes into our lives, when, when trials come into our eyes and tribulations come into our lives, we see the weak aspects of our spiritual life. One of the things being when, when, when something hits us that's bad, do we go to God in prayer? 
Do we react? What, what, how, how do we respond in these different situations? And when, that, when, those, when those impurities come to the surface, we now have an opportunity to do one of two things. We can either let it go and simmer back down, or we can remove it. And in, in growing in Christ, what happens is, is when, 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 that stuff first, when, the, when that sediment first gets melted down, a lot comes to the surface, doesn't it? When I remember first going to church, I disagreed with probably 99.9999% of what the pastor said. But I understood something. I'm not in the position I'm in because of how great my life has been run by me. I'm in the position I'm in because of the poor decisions that I've made. And, I, and, and it took me a long time to come to that point to realize the problems in my life are because of me. Not because of anybody else. I made these choices. These choices caused these problems in my life. But now here I am, and those things are coming to the surface. Very young, angry uh, individual that this preacher had to deal with. But as I, as I grew in Christ, you want to know what? Less of that stuff came to the surface. Less of it came to the surface. Just like in the melting down process. Less of it starts coming up, and the more of it that gets removed, the more of that dross that gets removed, guess what you have? You have a vessel made for the finer. So when the stress comes into our lives, when the tribulation comes in our lives, it does help us identify problem areas in our lives. Stress improves us, and it can also make us stronger. I, I reference working in construction. I loved working construction. Um, I wouldn't even attempt it right now with, my, with uh, just, uh, just, you know, just being this close to surviving cancer. Uh, I'm so weak I went, to, I went to the pool just to walk back and forth in the lanes. And uh, I, I remember when I was looking at the water, because I was a swimmer in college, I was like, oh, I'm just going to jump, I'm going to do this. I did about two strokes, and I about had a heart attack. <laughs> so then I was like, all right, now I'm just going to walk up and down the pool. That's all I'm going to do today. And uh, that wore me right out. But I remember working construction, right? Here we are in construction, and uh, what would happen is, um, guys, we, 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 laid, we laid a lot of block. And guys would take that, those blocks. New guys would come and take those blocks. You know, and it was funny because you always get like big football players, wrestlers, thinking they're tough and they want to stay in shape. And they would show up and they're working with us. And they would grab those blocks. And the first time they'd grab those blocks, you know, 40-pound Cindy blocks, they'd grab them, they'd carry them, they'd put them where they need to be. They'd do that for about an hour. And then after a little while, their hands started getting sore. Their forearms started getting sore. They started, you know, their muscles started cramping up. We had one big old fellow. He was probably 250 pounds. He was just a solid individual. The, he worked really hard the, all day, uh, like on a Monday. Tuesday morning, his car was parked on the job site, and, uh, but he wasn't on the job site, so we're trying to figure out what's going on. All of a sudden, uh, the, his car window came down a little bit, and you could see these hand kind of going like this. And so I walked over, and I was like, hey, what's going on? You working today? And he says, no, I'm letting you know I'm quitting. I was like, quitting? Why? And he's like, I can't move my arms. He goes, I, I can barely open my hands. They're so cramped up, right? And I was like, oh, well, if you stick with it, what's going to happen? Your body's going to adjust. Your, 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 muscles, your muscles will take root, and, or your muscles will grow, and you'll be just fine. But he quit before his muscles could do that. And you know, just, just like that situation, when we first start, or that, that problem first comes into our lives, we ha- our str- the stress of it does what to us? We, we realize that we're not as strong as we were, or we thought we were. But if we keep going, guess what happens? We get stronger. Our spirit gets developed. We grow. Stress isn't always bad. So don't faint when the tribulations come. Also strengthen. Verse number 16. If you look with me in verse number 16, he says here, 
that he would grant you according to his riches of his glory to be strengthened with him by his might. Real spiritual strength. Um, if I could, if I, could uh, I would like to recommend a book. Absolutely love this book. It's called Last of the Giants. Last of the Giants. And it's about three uh, evangelists that went up into, they went up into the, 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 the logging country of Minnesota, uh, up in that different area, before cars were a thing. Was anybody around before cars were a thing? Amen. <laughs> Apparently there was this time in our past when people couldn't just drive to a convenience store, right? And uh, so the premise of the book is this, uh, this, uh, this preacher one day, he's there as a young man in uh, northern Minnesota, and uh, there's a fellow dying in the hospital of pneumonia. And as that fellow is dying of pneumonia, the doctor reaches out to the, the preacher and says, hey, could you come and just sit with this man? He's dying. The preacher goes up there, takes his opportunity to share the gospel. The man gets saved. Amen? And he's, he's, he's slipping in and out of consciousness. He's sleeping and stuff like that. And at one point when he wakes up, before he passes away, right before he passes away, he says to that preacher, Frank, he says, he, he goes, he goes, before you showed up, I had no friends. But now I have two. I have you and Jesus Christ. He goes, would you take what you shared with me to the loggers and tell them of Christ? That preacher, that young preacher said, absolutely, he did. Now for him to go share that, to share that gospel, he just doesn't hop in a car and drive up there. No, he's got to get a sled. He's got to put Bibles on it. He's got to put hymnals. And that's before they had this, that's before they had like nice, nice hymnals like this. And, you know, like our, our Bibles and, and hymnals, they're all hard covered. And then that sled, he, had to, he had, had, had to have straps on it. He would put those straps, he would grab onto it, and he would just trudge through the snow, snowshoes. His, this man, this preacher's shoulder, if you get that book, you'll see his shoulders are like this. Just, just from, just, from he, just, just hiking and dragging all those things up there. But in the, in the process of that, when that man was lying on his deathbed, there was thousands of loggers that showed up. And they, they all told the doctor one thing, if you can take any parts out of us to give him, to keep him alive, you do what you've got to do, doc. Three preachers with that similar attitude, going up and just sharing the gospel. But it wasn't, it wasn't a time when it was easy to do, but it required a lot of self-sacrifice to get up there and do it. I would encourage it. Last of the Giants, uh, or, or, the, uh, uh, or the, another title was Sky Pilots. I'd encourage you to look it up. Any questions, reach out to me about it. I'd, li- I'd like to share that book with you. But, strengthen. So real, real spiritual strength. Real spiritual strength is having control. Having control. Being able to control uh, oneself. I remember a while back uh, when I first started going to church, another, another story of my father-in-law. We were at one of those, those wonderful, uh, very, very elegant places to eat called Hong Kong Buffet. Amen. Anybody ever been to something like that? I mean, they're just great, right? I mean, just the, the most classiest food that you could ever think of. And you can eat as much of it as you want. We had one guy working with us. He was actually asked to leave by the staff because he ate too much. He ate too much. And he, proud, he prided himself on his ability to eat 27 plates. I am not kidding. I sat there in utter disgustment as he ate. But anyway, going on. So uh, I, we were there with my father-in-law one time, and he was, we were working construction. And I remember these, these, um, these, these guys, they, they walked past, and they got these, like, name tags on. 
And you know who I'm talking about? They got these name tags on them, and, and they walk by, and uh, one of the guys kind of said something to them, and so they stop, and they're like, oh, this is elder so-and-so, and elder so-and-so, and blah, 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 and, and they start having a conversation. The guy I'm with, he's a nice guy, and they're, they're kind of going back and forth about a few doctrinal issues and things like that, and the whole time I'm looking at my, my, I'm looking at my, my, my preacher, like, hey, I want you to say something. I want you to be argumental. I want, you to, I want my side to win. You ever felt like that? Especially in politics, right? I want my side to win. I want my side to be right, right? And, and I'm, I want him to say it, and I want him to embarrass these guys publicly. Like that's, I don't have the ability. He does. I want him to do that. So afterwards, they leave, right? And so I, I look at my preacher and said, how come you didn't say anything? And he responded with this. Jeremy, what good would it have done? He goes, of course. I, I, he goes, I know what to say, I've, I've, you know, et cetera. And he goes, but what good would it have done to embarrass them? Or to make them, he goes, what good would an argument would have been? Only by pride cometh contention. Ouch. Isn't that a hard one? I made the mistake of quoting that verse in a, in a disagreement with my wife one time. I no longer quote that verse in disagreements. <laughs> but that only by pride cometh contention. So I remember when he said that to me, because he says, you know, real spiritual strength is about having control. Just because I have the ability doesn't mean I need to. There also ha- there's also that pride, uh, pride uh, uh, there's also the pride asked of, look how good I am or how smart I am. That's not real strength. Tribulations strengthen us. They help us see those weak points in our lives. In our lives, our, our physical bodies will get weaker. It's inevitable. I have been struggling with this point for so long. Why? I enjoy exercising. It's a stress relief. I, I love to exercise. And, and then at my hospital, they said the worst thing to me. It wasn't that the cancer returned. They're like, Pastor Jeremy, you're not going to be allowed to lift weights for probably another year. I had just been told I was all clear. No cancer. The doc says this to me. The nurses go on to this. I said, could I at least do a push-up? And they went, no. And I'm like, well, why? And, her, and I remember the nurse, Nurse Sue, great lady, wonderful lady. I mean, she's like my mom. I mean, she was, I mean, she, I got that. How many men know what that mom look is? It doesn't matter what age you are. You know that look, you know. You know that look when your wife gives it to you. You know, like, ooh, I just said something wrong. <laughs> she gave me that mom look, and she says, Jeremy. You have a two-foot incision through your abdomen. You have an 18-inch incision the other way along your abdomen. And she goes, and then you have that ill... She goes, all of your, everything you're asking is going to put nothing but stress on your core. You'll get a hernia, and you'll have to be back to get that fixed. She goes, relax. I went, but I don't want to. You know what's going on? My pride. I like the way this feels. I, I, you know, instead of just listening and understanding that I need to heal, I'm worried about how I, I feel in this situation and how I, want to, my, my, how I want my body to perform. But our bodies get weaker. It's just, it's just going to happen. The older we get, the different things. Um, I have to take supplements to keep my joints from not hurting. I don't like that. I, I, I like the I, integral collagen from Trim Healthy Mama. Just uh, throwing that out there. It's great stuff, wonderful stuff. Helps me out tremendously. But if I don't have it, I, I feel it in my, if I'm not consuming it after a little while, I feel it in my elbow. I feel it up here. I haven't been working out. I haven't been doing different things. The body gets weaker. But as we grow in Christ, the spiritual man should be getting stronger. The older we get, the problems we face 
Just because our body's getting weaker, it's, you know, it doesn't mean that our spiritual strength should decrease. As we grow spiritually stronger in Christ, we become rooted and grounded in love. Notice what he says here in verse number 16. That he would, that, that, that we, that he would grant you. And I like what he says here, that he would grant you. Paul's prayer, prayers are almost always for the spiritual welfare of others. Philippians 1.4. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy, according to the riches of his glory. This is limitless and available to every single believer, strengthened with might by a spirit in the inner man. Spiritual power is a mark every Christian who submits to God's work in spirit. It is not reserved for some special class of Christian, but for all those who discipline their minds and spirits to study the word and understand it and live by it. 2 Corinthians 4.16 For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The inner spiritual person should grow stronger through the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit will energize and revitalize and empower the obedient, committed Christian. I, I, can't help, and, and I can't help when preaching to think about the past two years of my life when it comes to things like this. Past two years of my life, battling cancer, going through all those different things. But i got to be honest, I learned so much about the character of God through all those, those trials. I've seen God provide. Uh, you've heard me testify, testify of God taking care of $500,000 worth of medical debt. Wiped it out. Wiped it out. Did he send you a check? No, he didn't send a check. Did he do? Honestly, to this day, some of it doesn't make any sense on how it all worked out. But it's all gone. It's all gone because of him. You know, I, I, you know when, when I, I seen him provide, I, I, seen, I, I remember sitting there and I remember sitting in, in the, the very first time I ever had to do chemo. Very first time I had to do chemo. I'm sitting in that chair. And, and how many of us know what that chair is, the chemo chair? Anybody? Okay, a couple of folks. It's not a fun chair. <laughs> And there's all the, in, in the, the place I was at, um, there was, it was just a giant room. Rocky Mountain, it was just a giant room. And there's people all over the place. There's, there's nurses begging with a lady to, to eat something. There's a, a lady over here, she was crying. And, and there's people over here not looking happy. And then this lady's over here and she's looking all sweet and innocent. I'm like, okay, that's somebody I can talk to. <laughs> and I looked there and I said, hi, hi, ma'am. You know, because I'm nervous. And when I'm nervous, I just talk, right? And so I'm like, hi, ma'am. And she goes, hi, how are you? I says, I'm doing fine. She goes, well, I'm ready to go home. I says, I am too, but I got to wait to get unhooked. She goes, no, I mean heaven. I'm like, oh, I can't be in this conversation. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. And then the lady crossed. She's like, I lost my son. Nope, 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 nope. I feel bad. I mentally can't handle this. But you know what God did? I got an email. And I hate emailing. Just text me six words. Don't send me a whole email, right? I just, I, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I don't got enough attention for emails. But I get this email. And I'm like, huh, what's this email all about? Inside that email, it was a lady. Don't know her. She heard of our story. She sent us a, a donation of some sorts. And in that email, she goes, my brother-in-law survived stage four cancer at the age of 34. And she gave a little testimony and then she said something along this lines. She goes, God loves you. God is going to take care of you and God will see you through this. You know, in that moment of everything going on and the stress, it felt like God, and it felt like God had just come down and gave me a giant hug and warmed me right up. That was, that was God 
providing for me. I've never been abandoned. I've never been left without. He's always been there along the process and everything at, at every point. You know, but, but when we, we get into those, those moments of, of pressure, we, we can say, I'm done. I don't like this. And I never understood that. Like, it, there's only two options. There's either God or the devil. There, there isn't a middle option. There is no purgatory. There's either heaven or hell. And, and, and if this is going on in my life, God is still the answer. Despite how I feel about the situation, he's still the answer. And I have to look past my emotions. I have to look past how I feel about that situation. And I have to trust. But that's where strength starts to come into play. In the midst of that trial and that pressure, that melting down, can I still look at him and say, I trust you. I trust you. You ever wonder why God says in Proverbs 13, trust, or Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart? Trust is an amazing thing when somebody has your trust, right? You, you, you're freely giving, you're, you're trusting with that faith that I, 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 I have confidence in you. But see, why does God ask us to trust him? Especially in the midst of trials, in the, in the midst of all these different things. The, the world is crazy right now. The world is absolutely crazy. I used to have a hard time buying the mark of the beast, it, just in my mind, like I know what the Bible says, I, I believe the Word of God. I used to have a really, really hard time, like you know, the world just taking this mark willingly, people on the planet as a whole, I just don't see it. And then COVID happened, I went, yep, everybody would sign up. <laughs> I mean, everybody just freely did everything, my rights, all, I mean, we just freely offered them all away, you know, for a jab and different things like that. Like just, like, I'm not, not the politics, I mean, just people just jumped on board without any questions. And so then I look at Revelation, I said, yeah, I do, I do see it now. I do see it now. But that concept of trust. When I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm driving with my wife, I hear these words every once in a while. I shouldn't say words, sounds. Maybe there's some men here that understand this sound too. <laughs> What's wrong? You see that stop sign? Yeah, like two miles ahead. Are you going to stop? I was planning on it, but you didn't stop. I got two miles to go. I'm exaggerating, obviously, to make myself look better. Oh, yeah, that's, that's my right as a husband behind the pulpit. You know, anyway, you know, but I would hear that, I'd hear that sound. I took her through Rhode Island. We were driving up to Rhode Island. We went through New York, and uh, the, the, the GPS kind of took us through, um, you know, New York, New York. And uh, my wife, you know, from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, she'd never been in big city traffic. And, and I hear all these, like, <gasps> You see the semi? I, I responded completely wrong. The semi was merging, and I was, I was getting ready to turn over. And she goes, do you see the semi? And I'm like, which one? That one? All I see is semi. <laughs> I slept on the couch that night. <laughs> but I remember, I remember in that process, I said to my wife, "Hun, I've driven in the city before. Trust me. Trust me. What was I asking her? What, what, what was really going on? I see your doubt. Please have some confidence in me. God knows our hearts. He knows the core of who we really, really are. And in the midst of those different issues or whatever might be going on, he says, I want you to trust me. I want you to extend some confidence towards me. 
that is strength. To be able to say, I don't understand everything going... Don't we love having the answers to everything? I learned as a preacher that I don't always have to have the answers. As a young preacher, I thought I was supposed to have all the answers. There's sometimes people come to me and they ask me a question, and I have no idea what to say. They'll ask me a, they'll ask me a question about the Bible, and I'll, I'll look at it. And I remember, as a young preacher, I thought I had to say something smart, and I would try to say something smart. I have since realized it is okay to say, I don't know. I don't know what that, what that means. But let's look into it together and find the answer. Let's, let's research this and let's come, let's, let's come to an understanding about it. That, that was hard to do as a young preacher, but you see, here's the thing. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how God laid everything. I don't know how he designed the stars. I don't know how he designed, I don't know how he laid it all out. I just know he's the creator. He's the one that did. I know he's, I, I, I know he's the one that knows how many hairs I have on my head. He's the one that knows all those details. I don't know all those details. I don't really want to know all those details. He knows all those details, though. And the God that loves me to the core like that is going through, he is guiding me through this life to have, for me, to have the best life I can to glorify him. Now, that best life to glorify him might not look the way I want it to look. But I have to trust that he knows what's best for my life. Because I've also learned in life, I don't always know what's best for me. But he does. And if I'm going to have strength with him, it's going to have to have that trust, that confidence that he knows what's best for my life. And when that stress and trial comes and he's showing me problems in areas of my life that he's trying to deal with, maybe it's a trust problem. Maybe it's a sin issue. Maybe it's some doubt in my life. Who knows what it is? But when that comes to the surface, I now have an opportunity to either deal with it, confess it, forsake it, or I can let it simmer back down. But guess what happens when it simmers back down? It's going to come up later on. There's some dross that when it comes to the surface... It needs to be dealt with immediately, and not all of it gets dealt with, and some of it simmers down. Some things take a while. Working with addicts for almost 20 years, as an addict, a prior addict myself, I can tell you this right now, not everything happens overnight. But the more we trust God, the more we stay faithful to God, the less those issues become in our life. When I'm reading my word and God shows me something that's problematic in my life or something that's not lining up with his word, I have an opportunity to pray and ask God to remove it, to deal with it, to forsake it, or I can let it simmer back down. But here's the thing. If I let it simmer back down, God's still going to have to deal with it, and it might be through stress. If I really want to see God work, I have to obey his word. If I really want to see God work, I have to stay faithful to him. If I really want to see God work, I have to practice what the Bible is compelling me to do. I want to end on one thing. Ephesians 4.32. How many of us know Ephesians 4.32? Uh, I did till about six seconds ago. Right, Joyce? <laughs> Ephesians 4.32. Be ye kind. Amen? What would it look like next week if Faith Baptist Church, the whole of Faith Baptist Church, 
went into their community and was just kind. And that's hard for me, especially driving in traffic. It's a good thing I'm not armed all the time. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. There's that shootout in Lowe's or whatever. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But if I, see, because that's an area in God's Word where God says, I want you to do X. I want you to become kind. But if I, so then God puts me into situations where, guess what? It's a trial to be kind. <laughs> Amen? But if I trust him, who knows what's going to come of it? I was, I was being nice to an individual the other day. Struck up a conversation. Didn't want to talk to him, but he wanted to talk to me. I don't know why. You want to know what was on the other side? You want to know what was, what was happening? There was somebody that God had been dealing with, and God was trying to direct to church and trying to get him back on track. And he just struck up a random conversation with somebody he's never set before, and he didn't know that person was a pastor at a church that would love him. But God did, and God put me into that situation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And Father, I pray that you'd help us not to balk at your trials and tribulations, but help us to trust you in those situations and help us to be strengthened by your Spirit. I pray this in your Son's name. Amen.